Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more, and I share the stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on this podcast, I interview Aaron Anastasi, an actor, a musician, an entrepreneur, and an executive coach to an exclusive small clientele. With over 50 million views on YouTube and 500,000 subscribers, the Superior Singing Method is world-renowned to be the ranked number one online singing program for the last 10 years. He's appeared on a number of documentaries and TV shows like Marvel's Runaways. He has a master's from Princeton, which is the equivalent of three graduate degrees in philosophy, psychology, and theology. We talk about how to break negative patterns with a simple four-step process, how to start positive patterns with micro actions to gain momentum and what is Aaron's holy grail what motivates him to keep on the grind of self-transformation without any further ado I would like to welcome to you Aaron Anastasi hey Aaron thanks for joining me today oh my pleasure man I appreciate you having me yeah absolutely man and um uh, it's been a little while since we actually we've met up um but you've been on your own personal journey uh you're living up in Hollywood these days or where you at Yep, I'm in I'm in Los Angeles, specifically in Highland Park. Super cool. And um, how do you spend most of your time these days? What have you been up to? How do I spend most of my time? Um, coronavirus has changed a couple of things, but <laughs> for the most part, I work from home, so actually I shouldn't say that it's changed all that much. My my day to day is is. I have a morning routine that's like two or three hours that I pretty much do every single day, except not not always on Sundays. Aside from that, I'm almost always working on either an audition or a scene for class um, for some kind of acting thing. I'm generally working on some writing project. Like I, you know, I have written a couple of books, and right now my project for the past couple of years has been working on a pilot. So generally, I'll do some spend some time writing. And so a little bit of acting, a little bit of writing. I'll sometimes do, I have a, I'm like giving my bio here. This isn't what I mean to do, mm-hmm. but like I do just like a little bit. So I have a, a online singing lesson program called Superior Singing Method. So sometimes I'll just be shooting some texts back and forth with my business partners there. Like I just filmed a couple of new ads. And so we're getting those edited and, you know, sending them over to our guy. So I did a little bit of that today. And then um, always exercise every day. I do my meditation. You know, I, we can go into more specific details, but that's that's kind of every day looks a little bit like that. Sure, a hundred percent. As a uh, an entrepreneur, it always is. You have a bunch of plates spinning, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of it is around you know um, creative work, and then also like marketing and sales, and mm-hmm. and, and also a lot of it is the personal development because it seems like from what I've noticed with a lot of you know entrepreneurs uh, it's all about you know evolving yourself you know transforming mm-hmm. yourself through the whole process and then as you as you transform yourself you communicate that outwards to your community um, and hopefully inspire them whether it's singing or acting uh, or any other things that you've you've got going on uh, I am really curious because I'm very much a big big morning routine person as well and I have my own pattern in the morning i would sure. love, i'd love to learn uh, what are some of the things that you do um in the morning to that's kind of your your you know must should coulds for that morning routine yeah yeah so it's always the same actually i'm i'm a total creature of habit i i believe in habits I, i'm not just um I tend to be a little obsessive by nature, like a little obsessive compulsive by nature, but that serves me in that my habits, like I believe that our, our disciplines, like they define our life, our, what our disciplines equal our results. And so our habits equal our results. And so, 
Um, my days look pretty similar. So I wake up in the morning and I just started shaving my head about a year and a half ago. And so that's, um, I wake up and I listen to some content that I like while I'm shaving my head, brushing my teeth, that kind of thing. And then I do my um, vocal exercise routine, which takes about to 10 to 15 minutes and then i come into my closet and i have a thing I, I i do a little bit of journaling it's the same it's something i'll rotate about every six months of what i actually do right now i'm doing at the top i'm doing a, a daily affirmation and then i'm doing like 10 to 15 to 20 thing gratitude things and then i i track my migraines what's going on with my migraines i've had migraines most of my life so i like to track see what's going on with that and what i'm doing and want to be doing differently and then the last thing is is just a to-dos for the day. So what are, you know, three things? A lot of these things are just basic Tim Ferriss kind of stuff of like, what are three things if I did these three things today and nothing else that I would have a great day? So then I do that and then I spend some time in prayer and meditation after that. And then I grab, and then I go, uh, there's a park by my house. So I run to the park and then I work out at the park gym. And then as I'm coming home, I'll usually work on some kind of scene in my head. So like narrating the scene or doing thoughts out loud or some of my work for my acting and then come home and have breakfast. So that's pretty much almost every day. That's what my morning looks like. I wake up probably, uh, I don't know, five thirty or six or something. Okay. Awesome. Do you set an alarm clock when you get up in the morning or is it just automatic? I do set an alarm clock. I have one of those sleep things where it's like a 30 minute window. So usually it, it wakes you up when your body's going to be the best the time for it oh, to wake up and the least, the least groggy. It's called oh, a sleep cycle. Interesting. Yeah. Is that an app or is that is a device? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it's an app on my phone. It was free when I got it, but I've been using it for years. It may be paid sure. now, but I, I, sure. maybe four bucks or something. That's super awesome. Yeah. Cause if you do wake up off, uh, out of your REM cycle, if you do in your deep sleep, then you get all, you mm-hmm. get all super whacked out. I have I should yeah. I have an aura ring that you put on that measures yeah. your sleep patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, my wife's got one of those. Yeah, they're, they're really neat. It'd be awesome if they linked that up to an alarm clock, um, and they actually I don't know if they have that. If they did, that'd be incredible. Where you could measure when you come out of that peak, and then it just tings you. Yep. So yeah, that would be dope. And that's kind of what this app does. And I don't know like how exactly great it is. It measures from like the sounds. I don't know exactly how it does, but yeah. I generally wake up. You know, I don't feel, wake up groggy, so good. I think it kind of works. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think, you know, you're saying that, well, these are all very Tim Ferriss-y things to do, but mm. it's like saying, you know, how are you in such great shape? Well, you know, hard work, diet, and exercise. It's a super, <laughs> yes, you're right. It is, it yeah. is a, it is mm-hmm. obvious, but it is, it is simple, but it, the execution is difficult. Sure, um, sure. Can, can you uh, talk to me a little bit about how do you or have you ever had a time where you're struggling to install habits or routines and how do you get yourself to actually form habits and how do you get yourself to actually, you know, you, you recognize something that you either a positive habit that you want to install or a negative habit that you want to remove and how do you actually create it going from a, a thought of I want to do this to actually making it become a physical habit? Yeah, I, th- I think and talk a lot about that, actually, because I think habits are so important. A couple of books that I think of just right off the bat are Atomic Habits and Charles Duhigg's, um, uh, now I can't, I'm spacing on the name, it's called Habits or whatever. But I write a, I write about it in my books, too, because here's what what I do is 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 pretty simple. It's all about um, the cue, right? At first, it's like the cue. What is going to cue that thing to make it happen? And then what's going to make me do it? And what's the reward that's going to make me make me make that thing happen? So mm-hmm. usually, there's like a cue type reward system. So if I'm if I haven't worked out for a while, 
that's kind of a bad example. I think I've worked out every day for the past like 25 years. But like, <laughs> if, if, for example, this is just the easiest thing I could think of. It's like uh, when I wake up in the morning, if I have my running shoes next to my bed, then that's the cue of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put my running shoes on. And then when I put my running shoes on, that's like this is going to happen. And so it's like forecasting. This is where I'm going, having a vision of what I'm doing and doing it. So that's that's a really simple thing. But let me see if I can answer your question a little bit better. Habits, quitting, quitting habits and starting habits. Here's here's one thing that I've found that's been really valuable for me. And it's that we all have this side of us that's just, just robotic side of us that we could just force ourselves to do something. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that this is really important. It's important to force ourselves to do something at first for a short period of time, because there's this amazing thing. Well, first of all, um, something called the commitment compartment. So I talk about in one of my books is that we have things that we put into our commitment compartment. Like I'm going to do this no matter what, like I've never walked out of my house ever in my entire, entire life. I've never walked out of my house naked. Right. Mm -hmm. I just, I've never done it. I'll never do it because that thing is lodged in my commitment compartment. And then we think like our dreams and the pursuit of our dreams and these habits in order to make our dreams happen. A lot of times we're like, well, but I, I can't do that. And I don't feel like it. And I want to, but I can't. And there's all these limiting voices and all stuff going on. But I believe that we can put these things in our commitment compartment and then engage that robotic side of us to just force ourselves to do it for a short period of time, short period of time, um, meaning like a short period of time for two to three minutes, but also a short period of time, meaning if we could just do that for two or three days. And then this amazing thing kicks in, this momentum fulcrum is what I call it, kicks in. And I've heard it said like this, that at first, when we're first getting started to do something, it takes 10 units of effort to get one unit of results. Mm. But once that momentum fulcrum kicks in, it takes one unit of effort to get 10 units of results. And the perfect example of that is is my superior singing method program. I spent like two or three years working on this thing, didn't make a dime, and I spent like 20, 30 hours a week working on this thing while I had other jobs and I was just wanting to get this thing off the ground. Fast forward 12 years later, I spend maybe two hours a week on it mm-hmm. and it's 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 a ten million dollar business. It's on track to be a fifteen to twenty million dollar business in the next year or two. I, I don't do much work to do that now because the momentum fulcrum has kicked in. So big fan of that. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's the you know you have almost like a short term memory, or you have this burst of energy that you can you can do it. And so I, and I love the idea of a micro habit for a micro period of time, and knowing that say I'm just going to be consistent with this 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 habit period of time uh, a two minute habit for two weeks and i know by the end of two weeks i'm not even going to think about it but by the end of two weeks i know i'm going to get that that energy that juice to get up and go and i had this uh similar with the the podcast i wanted to do it for a while but it was so much energy but then once i got started and once i started committing to like just lining things up and getting the 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 energy started to pick up and started getting easier and easier and easier to just kind of get in the habit but the hard thing was just turning that first boulder over and just, just staying on it on a consistent amount of time. One of the things I'm curious about with this, do you have like a set weekly routine? Cause you talked about daily routines, but do you have a thing where you step back and you look 
at, okay, these are the cues that I have. This is what I've got going on. Do you pull out some sort of sheet? One of the things I realized that it's very difficult to do is in the game of life to be both the dungeon master and the player. And so you have to spend a part of the time doing, right? Where you're just in the flow, you've got the habits, you're grinding through things. And another part of the time, you have to be the dungeon master. So do you have parts daily, weekly, monthly, where you become the dungeon master and how you switch from A to B? Yeah, that's, I, I like that analogy a lot. Yes, and there's a few ways that I do that. So the first one is I have a coach. I am a coach, but I have a coach as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my twice monthly time to to look at big picture and be like, where am I heading? And are are the current habits that I have the ones that I want toward the vision I'm I'm going for? And then I also go to therapy, which I, I know that's a little different, but that's a way for me to unclog a lot of the garbage that is that I'm I'm dragging behind me that's slowing me down. So the coach is like helping me move forward and see the vision. The therapist is helping me get rid of the baggage at the end so that I can go further faster. But also I I have what one of the things I left out of my morning routine is that I have a thing on my phone called a couple of different lists. And so one of them is called the truth about you. And um, that is a a list of a bunch of things that people have said about me that I really respect that I've written down that it's difficult for me to believe. And so I will go through those and be like, Oh, so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so said, said these things about me. If they believe that that's true, then that's probably true, more true than my thoughts. When I first wake up of like, you're stupid, you're a failure. You're never going to be anything. You should be scared. You're running out of money. You're running out of friends. You're, you're never going to, you know, all those other thoughts that are flooding into my mind. This is what, what is actually true about me. And then the other list is I have, I have 10 things that I'm moving big things that I'm moving toward more long-term and I'll say those out loud in the present as if they already exist now. And so that helps keep me big picture. Like one is off the top of my head is um, I'm the number one box office star in all of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So just like I'm not yet, but I, I will be at some point and I want to keep that big vision before me. And so all my little visions and all my little plans and my little strategies, they want to line up to these big 10 of where I'm heading. And that's maybe the dungeon master. That's, that's great. There's a lot of really good tax in there. And I like what you're saying about breaking this down. Um, you know, you, you know, it's very difficult to be the dungeon master and the player. So you have someone else be your dungeon master. You have a guiding light and you know, you're like, you, you work with them to kind of co-create that experience for you to go through. And then also that, you know, that you have blind spots on the, on the therapy side, which the best people that I know have therapists, the best people that I know, um, entrepreneurs, other ones like that, because they understand that we all have our own, you know, wounded children. We all have drama. Mm-hmm. We all have, we all have limiting beliefs. We all have doubt. And, and if you're not, if someone doesn't bring that to your surface, you know, it's very difficult for you to be able to actually recognize that and be self-aware of that. It's not until someone says mm-hmm. something about you on both the, on both the, what you could do better and, 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 you know, who you already are right now. It's very deal. It's very difficult to have that, um, that self-reflection to, to, to be your own therapist and to be your own personal coach at the, the mm-hmm. is a difficult thing. And I love the idea of those lists. Cause that what you mean, you, you know, with your, with your brain, you know, there's something on, on the order of, I think like 2 million bits of data that you experience mm-hmm. right throughout the day, but you can only yeah. ingest like a hundred thousand bits, some, some of that, some number. And so by you saying that out loud, you are literally saying you're ignoring all those other pieces, the, the little, um, uh, fear center in your brain, hippocampus that's coming in and going, 
you're never going to make it and nobody likes you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, I'm going to say this out loud. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, it's so easy to criticize people that are, you know, and it's easy to say, oh, that's that's hokey. But the, the people mm-hmm. that are really in the arena that are really actually going through it, they, they understand the power of you suggesting that to yourself. And so um, I love the idea of these lists that you're talking about, about generating these lists of, you know, uh, these are things that people have told me that are true about me. And these are the things that I envision for myself of the future so that I can actually keep saying it and manifest it. And then when the options, um, you know, we all have micro choices throughout the day, all these daily micro choices that you make. And if you want to be, and if you are the number one box office hit, then you need to make this choice. This person does this in the morning. This person, you know, uh, completes his bio and, and IMDB and all that other type of thing. So <laughs> yeah. it is all very true. So I think that's that's some incredible stuff. Uh, how does right now we're in a very, very unusual time with the coronavirus and everything that's going on um, with with that? How does that how is that currently affecting you? Um, and how's that affecting your work? How is that affecting the people around you? Um, I'm, yeah. I'm curious about, uh, has it, has it changed in your daily behaviors, the way you're interacting with people? Um, and then I'll, I'll dive into more questions yeah. about this. Yeah. I, I noticed that I went through a, a little bit of a transformation myself with the coronavirus that at first I was like, I, I can sense the panic and the fear of the people around me and things I read and heard and saw and that kind of thing. And, and my reaction at first to that, which is often my reaction to things is to rebel and to, and to go the opposite direction. So I was like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to go out. I'm going to, if I want to go out to eat or I want to do this, I'm just going to do it. Cause I'm not afraid that kind of thing. And that was um, kind of my ego um, rebellion attitude at first. And, I noticed that some of that was out of my own fear and panic that exists inside of me that I was unwilling to look at and wanting to do something to prove that it wasn't there and I didn't believe that. Mm. And then so the the more uh, things obviously are uh, have escalated and the more I read about it, the more I learned, I'm like, no, this isn't just about me and my own fear and what this is about. Uh, I if I want to do the better thing for my, not just myself and my family, but for the wider community and the entire world, sequestering myself so that this virus can't spread more so that it can, we can bring this whole thing down and eventually bring it to an end. This is, this is a global and communal decision. This isn't about me and what I want and my own rebellion. So, but to answer your question more directly, that's how it's affected me mm-hmm. inner inwardly. And I've noticed, I just noticed in the, like even today and yesterday I wake up and I'm checking in with myself and there's like, there's like this little bit of like, uh, you know, uh, there's always an uncertainty because we just, there, we live in an uncertain world. That's probably why I have certain habits I have because there's just things I can count on. But I've noticed like this little bit of panic inside of me and like, looking at it from a distance just going oh that's so interesting that it's there what are the thoughts that are creating this little thing in there and so that's why it's so valuable in my time of meditation and prayer and writing and journaling of being like what is it that i think and so once i explore what those thoughts are and and debunk the ones that are not true and take seriously the ones that are that helps me balance out 
and I know I didn't answer a question, so I'm, now I'm finally I'm going to directly. The industry is completely shut down, the yeah. acting industry. And so no auditions. We're in the middle of pilot season, which is one of the bigger, busiest times for an actor. There's pilot season between like February, March, April-ish, give or take. And then there there's what's called episodic season, and that's like August, September, October, November-ish. These are the big seasons. There's a lot going on all the time. But literally, it is completely shut down. Two world wars, Great Depression, the industry has never shut down. This is the first time ever. Coronavirus is the first thing that's completely shut the industry down in, what, 100 years or wh- whatever it is. So it definitely has affected most of my friends are actors or filmmakers or, you know, something in the industry. So it's definitely affected them a lot. Wow. Yeah, the, there's a couple of reasons why I want to bring that up. And, there, and um, you know, one being just out of curiosity, I'm, I'm not over in that world. I'm over in Orange County doing you know, um, software development. And, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of effect over here. Everyone's working from home. Everyone's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's weird because we are such social creatures and we love to mm-hmm. connect and we also love our freedom. And that, that whole, that whole thing has been taken away where now, you know, germs and everyone has to be isolated. And there's a certain amount of like, you know, this angst where we have this energy and we want to try to find a way to apply this energy. And you can only vigorously wash your hands so many times that your people are kind of <laughs> getting this the sensation, but I think that there's a parallel and I'd love to explore this a little bit with you. If you look at the, what you, what you talked about there of, um, the coronavirus and you, and you see about parallels of, um, doing something that you inherently want to do, that's the bettering yourself, but knowing that there is a rebellious side of you, like you want to improve mm-hmm. something and you go, no, I'm an individual. I want to eat my cupcakes. I want to smoke my cigarettes. I want to do something. Right. And then there's this, and then there was this realization of a, a, a social good and appearance of like, well, okay, this isn't just for me. This is for everybody else as well. And then, you know, understanding that you have to do this hard thing, this, this, this isolation, this separation. I feel like there's some sort of parallel between the, um, the that natural evolution that people came from realization of oh i'm i don't accept this i am an individual i am going to do this this is just this to i realize that this is a global good activity this is a social thing and so i will i will make this hard decision to actually um you know put myself in this situation for the good of not only myself but for everybody around me um, while battling those demons and those internal thoughts of, am I sick? Are they sick? That person coughed, you know, and that, and that awareness to uh, reflect on that as you're going through this transformation period. Do you, I mean, what are your thoughts around this? Yeah, I, I notice I noticed that that baser side of me is always, is always there. Mm. I, is I, <laughs> I've been in this work. I've been a coach. I've been in the transformational work for for nearly a decade. I think about it a lot. I've read hundreds of books. I've written a couple of books. I've coached tons of clients. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, this is the world I live in, and it's been important to me for a long time. But this baser, rebellious side of me still exists mm-hmm. all the time. It's always it's always present, and I always have a decision to make whether I want to choose that or not choose that i find for me i haven't reached an enlightened state i don't know that i ever will i don't think it's possible but you know great for you if you have anybody out there but here's what i mainly want to say about that is that the most valuable thing for me that exists and and just to bring it down personally to what what 
created what was the catalyst for this little transformation for me for the coronavirus thing literally just in the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. was I have a friend of mine and the the answer is feedback. But I have a friend of mine who I who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. She was actually one of my um, acting coaches. She's a series regular on an NBC show and was just on a Marvel series regular Marvel show. Just have a lot of respect for her. And she had hit me up and had encouraged me because I had put up a post that was like, hey, I'm going to brunch. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus or whatever. And she just encouraged me, hey, you have a ton of followers. She has a ton of followers, too. She's like, we have a ton of followers. It's it's our, what did she, I don't know exactly how she put it, but it was in a way that connected with me that, you know, let, let's be that voice for the community and let's, uh, that kind of thing. And it was like, it was like a, it was just like immediately snapped me out of it. And I was like, oh yeah, it's not all about me. It's about community. It's about me serving and for, for the wider good. So I just think having people in our lives that will tell us the truth mm. is probably the most valuable thing in the world that i mean that's a benefit of a coach it's a benefit of like a a great i have a great spouse who is not afraid to tell me like it is and and i'm super super grateful for that i don't always react super well immediately in the moment (laughs) but there is a time of reflection and there's a time of change and transformation that i'm like yes i love that i'm so grateful for you and your truth and i'm gonna shift that's you know part of the um you know having solid um or at least strong emotional intelligence is that ability to reflect back. And it is very, very hard in the moment to be able to, uh, you know, embrace that feedback, especially when you, we're always battling our ego, right? We, it, is a, it is a, it is a, you know, and it can, it can gain momentum much like everything else can gain momentum, you know, in different ways that are, um, uh, sneaky for lack of a better term. And that, that, yeah. that loving advice that you're talking about that I love you and I care about you, and I'm gonna tell you something that you're gonna disagree with, but mm-hmm. I'm coming from a place of love, and you may not accept it right now, but I invite you to think about it. It's, it's, sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know, I, um, I, was gonna, I wasn't gonna post something one time that my friend was asking me to, and I was like, oh my God, I don't think people care. He goes, I invite you to think about that, and that really had an impact. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, he's right. Why am I doing this? And it's like, am I doing this out of fear, or am I doing this out of mm-hmm. some other reason? And, and, and that is always, it's it's hard in the emotion because you 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 have a gut instinct and we it's very hard to kind of root out where is that coming from being able to take that disconnected perspective. Do you have a um, uh, uh, a method for being? Because you've, you've been able to say you've been able to separate yourself, look at those feelings, reflect back, and and and, and do, do you have um, a mechanism or a system for the self-reflection or is it just an innate thing that you've been able to cultivate over time? Is there a, a, a way that you step through that, a, um, a pattern, if you would? Yeah. A couple of things that I found really valuable. I think where do I want to go with this? There's so many things in my mind. I'm like, there's so many things I want to say about this. Okay, to answer the question, first of all, it has become more innate with practice, like anything, right? It's like a, it's a muscle that I've been building for a long time. It's become more innate. Like people talk about, people often ask me or my wife, like what, because we have a really great, we're like newlyweds. We begin together, we've been together for 11 years. We've been married for um, just about seven. And not that that's that long, but um, we are like newlyweds. We're just silly and goofy and love each other. And we're like, 
kind of gross and like, you know what I mean? Or just like affectionate. And, um, and I, I think about when people say like, what is, what, what do you attribute that to? And what the first thing that comes to my mind is ownership. So when, when anything happens, anything, there's any disconnect with us, some, there's any tension going on, what we've chosen early on is to see, see any conflict and tension, to rush into it, to immediately take as much ownership as possible in that moment. I will take my ownership, she'll take hers, and then the thing will just, it will just diffuse. So why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because the quick, the quick fix for me is me asking myself, how did I create this? And I think that's such an important question. It is for me because how did I create this when some when there's some type of breakdown or something's going wrong? If I understand that I did something to create this, it means I have the power. If I have the power to create that rather than the opposite, I'm a victim and blame all everything else, whereas I don't have any power. I want to take as much power as possible. And the most power I can take is when I take ownership of the breakdown when something went wrong. And once I take ownership of that, I say, this is how I created this. Therefore, I can create something else. And so I actually walk my clients a lot through this. And I say, I ask them, it's like a four-step process. The first is like, what's the breakdown? How did you create it? And how did you create it? I can ask them a couple other questions of like, uh, what could you have done differently? Stuff like that where it's Mm -hmm. like, how can we take as much ownership as possible? And then once they take a bunch of ownership, the fourth thing is I was like, do you forgive yourself? Because a lot of my clients, it'll be like, once they take the ownership, they they can move into shame, which is another racket. And that's another way to stay stuck. So I forgive myself. And the fourth one is like, okay, in light of this, what would you like to create? Like, what's the new vision? What are you committed to now moving forward? So for me, that process is just like a quick way. I have longer processes that I go through with my clients that are like a little more in depth and mm-hmm. a little more life transformative. But this is that's a really quick one to just get in and out and move on because it's not about not messing up. It's about how quickly can you get back on your feet, take the ownership, get a new vision and begin to move forward. That's where success comes. That is really powerful. Um, just unpacking a little bit of that is if if people in general um and i know this it's a bandwidth issue i mean i could tell that you're i when i asked the question i saw your mind try to take a ton of bandwidth you're like there is too much in my head to get out so how do i organize this in a way that you know succinct and and so i could tell that this probably could be a, a whole extensive conversation but just mm-hmm. just to just that little nugget if People only understood that if they could set up their own triggers where when I have this feeling, right, this feeling of victimhood, right? And then if you were to flip that real quick and go, how did I create this? And then mm-hmm. they go, how did I create this? And take as much ownership as possible. And then you talked about forgiving yourself because so many times, and me included, I'll beat myself up. Oh, I'm so yep. stupid. I just did this. And it yep. just, and then I'll just go in just spiral of just yep. that. And then, but, but the ownership of not becoming a victim and then, and then forgiving yourself for being human and doing all the things that yeah. we that we do, right? And yeah. and then going from there, and go okay. Well, what what do you want to do from that? It is a powerful step. So I, I imagine that there is uh, many layers to that. But just if people could just do that alone, I could see how that would have a huge impact on people's lives. Are yeah. 
Are these things, I mean, because um, I'm not actually honestly familiar with your books. Um, do you mm-hmm. want to talk, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the um, I mean, some of these books and, or, you know, the ones that stand out most to you. And I'd, I'd love to learn a bit about what was the genesis for these and kind of yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, two books right now, the first one is called The Voice of Your Dreams. Mm-hmm. And, and the subtitle is, let's see if I can get this right. Uh, turn down the voices of limitation and turn up the volume of success. So I use a lot of like voice and volume type of stuff because I do have like this really big online following of singers for my superior singing method. Now I've got a big YouTube channel. It's like 500,000 subscribers, 50 million views. So I've got that big, I've got that community. So even though these were the coaching principles that I wanted to talk about in here, I wanted to, you know, couch it and that kind of thing. So that, that book did well. That, that book was an Amazon bestseller. And then the, my, my sophomore release was called Your Prosperous Mind. And that was uh, Discover What You Really Want. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm spaced on it. Discover What You Really Want. Uh, get, get rid of, getting rid of the blocks in your life. That's not what it, it's basically idea, but I can't remember exactly. And, um, and get the kind of future you want. Anyway, basic, that type of stuff. So I wrote these books why did I write these books? So I got a coach. I didn't know I had got a coach. I was just getting somebody that was a mentor. Mm-hmm. I got a mentor and he was really a coach and kind of becoming a coach. But he, at the time, I was just stuck. I was just stuck. I was stuck. This is about almost 10 years ago. And I I wasn't pursuing my, my dream as an actor specifically. I was completely avoiding that. I was in a stagnant relationship. This is with my now wife that I was talking about. But we were kind of in a stagnant relationship. It was kind of a little bit of like, um, pardon my French, a little shit of shit of get off the pot kind of thing. And then um, I was living paycheck to paycheck, kind of hand to mouth financially. And so as we started coaching over the course of the first six months or, or a year, he was sharing a lot of these transformational principles with me. And I went to this thing called breakthrough that was talking more about that later. But within that year, my life had transformed so radically, like like literally like, so my marriage, I was now in this really fun marriage that I wasn't scared of marriage anymore. I was, I was bringing in six figures into the six figures. And also I was light years closer to my acting goals and already beginning to book things. And since I've booked a bunch of stuff, but it was like, I was like, what is this black magic? Like, this is crazy. Like this stuff really, really works. And so I'm a pretty voracious reader. Is that even a word? Mm. Um, I read a lot, I read a lot of books. And, and so I just started devouring everything I could on the topic. And, and then my, after I, I was, I began to apprentice under this guy for another four years. And about halfway through that, he's like, you need to take on your own clients. Like you're really good at this. You're passionate about. So I started taking on my own clients. Their life started changing radically. And I was like, I need to write these principles down in a way that I haven't heard them before. And in a way that is through my filter and the way that I see things, I believe that I have a gift of teaching and being able to explain things in a way that that is systematic and it breaks it down in in a way that that any layman could understand any layman that's not familiar with the work. Just really simply here are the things that could really transform your life. And so that's what the two books are. That's awesome. So it's a part of, you know, part of the 
sounds like the process of your transformation is one, you went through a process, um, almost like a, a, a mini hero's journey that you were stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't think you could overcome this thing. You, you've got a mentor. So you got, you know, a mentor on this path. And then for you, you were able to achieve success. And so along that path, the, you know, one of the best ways to mentor is to take who you are and what you know, the focus of your, uh, you know, a lot of voice, a lot of singing terminologies, and then and then process through the the kind of the world of transformation meets voice, which we all have a lot of inner voice, a lot of we we are constantly running a monologue story of our life and narrating it and telling mm-hmm. us what's going yeah. on, and then you could output that and by teaching that to other people, you're kind of complete, completing that loop of the hero's journey, um, yeah. by, by getting that out in, in in a book format that has your own voice, that has lessons of the past, that can teach other people that want mm-hmm. to to jump on this journey right yeah yeah you, you mentioned something about oh go ahead oh i was just thinking in that it is funny how life is <laughs> it's almost cliche how much life is a hero's journey right because it that's so true that that was my story and it and i became compelled to write these books like i couldn't not write these books because this People needed to know about this. People needed to know how they could transform. You know, it became not just about me. It became more communal and global. Like we're talking about the coronavirus thing. There's all these mini like, is it about me or is it about the wider world? And I even think of that about that with Superior Singing Method. I was a singer songwriter and I toured and I put out a bunch of records and I was doing all this stuff for years. And and I had some successes. I put out a lot of records. And I made a living as a musician for a long time, but I never like made it, whatever that means. But in my mind, and then when I turned the camera, you know, well, I guess it was still on me because I was doing the singing videos. But when I uh, decided it's not about me and my success and started teaching other people how to be successful as singers, that's when a financial windfall came my way and this great sense of accomplishment and this great sense of like, I'm doing something for the world. I'm helping people reach their dreams. And there's this immense sense of satisfaction. The older I get, that becomes more and more. I want to be the number one box office star, but to be completely honest with you, that's part of my journey of inspiring others. It's not just about getting that because I know once I get that, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I've crested this mountain and now I'm happy. Right. It's not Mm -hmm. about that at all. I want to be in the journey, in the hero's journey myself still so that other people that are, are maybe not further along in their career, not further along in their whatever, could be inspired by what I'm doing because I'm constantly pursuing my dream as well. And the huge part of it is so that I can continue to inspire others and not just be the voice that's saying you should do this, but hey, let's, I'm doing this. Let's do this together. Let's go after the thing that's going to make the world a better place. Yeah. Uh, leading from the front with transformation. It sounds like yeah. a lot of it is, and it, yes, we know it's cliche. We understand that it's a, it's an old story, story as old as time, but there's a reason why we're compelled is that we are, you know, we are all seeking to, to transform ourselves and to help other people transform. And when you help someone else grow, I mean, that is one of the greatest gifts you could give someone, whether it's, I, I, you know, I have a, I have a voice that I want to let out, whether, you know, singing or uh, online social media or whatever that thing might be. And so to, to have that impact, to, to give that vibe to other people, give hope, to, to, to give encouragement, to, to give a path, to give a guiding light, um, in itself is rewarding and it, it would be, you know, and is financially rewarding when you help people achieve what they wanna do. Whether, you know, um, you're Walmart and you have super, super low prices, um, mm-hmm. you know, or you, you know, you're someone that's helping someone find a path and have a personal breakthrough. 
Um, yeah. When you talked about, you talked about something about, before you said you'd, you'd bring it up later, I do want to circle back to it. You said you were stuck and you went through a breakthrough or you went through a course called Breakthrough. Um, what was mm-hmm. that? What was that about? And what was that, you know, that threshold guardian that, that kicked your butt and how'd you get past that? Yeah. So my, my mentor who was actually my coach and eventually who I, who I apprenticed under for a long time, he was connected to a group called ACCD and they, they put on a bunch of different workshops and one of them at the time was called breakthrough. Now they, they're no longer around. I don't think break, like it wasn't around for a long time. And then maybe recently I heard it might be, but I think they're not around anymore, but there is another group that was, in connected to that group that has started and they're called the gap community and the gap community what was called breakthrough that they do is called awaken and so awaken is it's basically a four day four days 11 hours a day it's what i say is it's like a year's worth of therapy in, in four days that's not quite it it's just a really intense training where these transformational principles are brought to life in your own life it's they call it a gym it's like a this is a gym for your life and the way you show up here is how you show up in every area of your life right how you do anything is how you do everything i strongly believe that so how you show up in the world is how you're going to be showing up in this room and so if we can um go head on with that we can help you make these transformations and go back in the world so that's what that's all about and that's a lot what i do with my own coaching clients i it's the same same type of framework so that was really powerful for me and i have other trainings that my wife and i have done together uh she did that one as well and and she she does this transformational work to groups she does she's like a group trainer and in fact we're like this is what i do for a living and i and i you know, charge strong fees to my clients. I keep a small high end um, clientele, but my wife and I also like literally right now on Mondays, coronavirus is now it's going to turn into a zoom thing, but we just do as a volunteer thing, nine week course that we call on purpose. And we, we help take people through these principles and, and help them um, transform as, as a way of giving back and, and a, a volunteer work. So that's, that's that. Very cool. It sounds like, um, the, the breakthrough course is almost like uh, it puts a lot of, it sounds like physical and emotional stress to kind of see what pops mm-hmm. out. Is, <laughs> yeah. is that, and so you kind of say, yeah. okay, this it, is. It's not for the faint of heart. It's exactly what you said. It, it, it is that, but it's, it's radically transformative and it, it, it radically transformed my life. And of course I followed it up with a lot of study and get, having my own coach and all that stuff. And, um, but it's, radically transformed my life. <laughs> uh, it sounds like, it, it also sounds like, yeah, these, um, part of, you know, I, I, I use the word hero a lot, but we all, we all view ourselves in a certain way. We have an unspoken mental image of ourselves and we have an unspoken image of what we think people think of us. Mm. And I think a lot of people, because in society, we've been super fortunate. Um, a lot of hard people, hard men and women that have come before us, our ancestors, have grinded 
to get to put us in a place of comfort so where we can yeah. we can you know order postmates and have it delivered we can go on netflix mm-hmm. and do that and so we are in this squishy warm wonderful place of comfort that other people have grinded through the desert and ran past dinosaurs to to get us to be here but yeah. i think part of that has had an effect on our psyche that we haven't had the ability to be the heroes we want to be because there is hasn't been a moment of great struggle and great tragedy that we've gone through to allow us to rise up to show up for ourselves and other people and it sounds like we've had to um, artificially create these types of breakthroughs these forced Mm emergencies psychological and physical emergencies <laughs> yeah. that breaks you down and forces you to rebuild yourself in this new way so that you have this new belief that you are this heroic person that you are this person that can transform and do other things how, how i'm curious do you think there is some way that because it is topical we are having this great pandemic effect with the coronavirus is there some way that people in the community could show up knowing that you know um we went from being at the top of the food chain to now maybe not so much is there some way that people could use the what's going on right now to kind of have that type of breakthrough experience if they can't show up to this crazy four-day 11-hour boot camp using what's what's available yeah yeah one thing that i realized in my little mini transformation just with the coronavirus story that i told you about went from arrogance ego to community centered and humbled you know um is that one thing i was avoiding was was myself i was avoiding uh, i do have this morning routine but even I, I actually was the week before there were like the 10 days before that I was down sick. And so I was out of that routine and just basically like laid up. And I noticed in that time, so the coronavirus is becoming more of a thing and I was, I was sick. And so like my defenses were down a lot as well. And I noticed that part of my arrogance of like, I'm going to do what I want is that I was feeling well again. And I'm just like, I'm going to go out and do whatever I want, but I hadn't, really i hadn't really gone inward in a while i hadn't really and a while for me is like whatever 10 to 14 days or whatever that's a long time for me and so i noticed that i was avoiding i was avoiding what i was avoiding i was avoiding what i was afraid of i was avoiding what was going on internally inside of me and there was a certain fear to go back into it and see it for fear that it was going to be it was going to overwhelm me and be more than i could handle none of that stuff was true here's why I'm saying all of that. I think that this is possibly could be a time where people are, they're forced to be inside. We're all right. We're all sequestered in, in our houses and, and it, you know, I'm, it could get worse, right? It could be, it could happen even longer and it can make, it could be government saying all this stuff could happen, but this could be a time where we go inward. This could be a time where we choose meditation and self-reflection and journaling and really getting to the root of what's going on inside of us because peace is going to come from there. Like there's all this seeming chaos coming from the outside with like, Oh, the world's changing and this is happening and these things are shutting down, but real peace is going to come when we go inward and really find out what's going on inside and deal with our fears and all that stuff. So I think that's one of the, one of the ways that we can have that transformation. And the other thing I think that, I think that this is going to be a time 
a potential opportunity to be less wasteful, less wasteful with our time, with our money, with our words. We're, there's a certain limitation that we're living in right now. And limitation, the benefit of limitation is that it, it can help trim away the fat of our attitudes and the fat of our wasteful lives that naturally accumulates over time through this comfort. Mm. That's, you know, I, I don't think I've heard anybody say that yet. The, we are going to be in isolation. And my viewpoint was originally is that it's going to create a, a narcosis or oh, that's a word, but uh, it's going to create this internal angst because you're going to be stuck at home with all this energy and no place to put it. And we are social creatures. And when you isolate us, things get a little wacky. Right. But it sounds like, I mean, you're right. The everyone's at home. Everyone is, you know, they could spend their time eating Twinkies and going on Netflix and just wasting this time, or they can use it as a gift and say, this is a chance for me to really understand myself and, and, and look in the mirror. And so many people don't take a moment to, to stop and have that uh, Atreyu from Neverending Story where he looks in the mirror and he sees himself and he, go, and he has to see his true self and reflect mm-hmm. back and go, this is me. This is me not caught up in the rat race. This is me not, this is me. I, I am not my work. I am not my, you know, I'm not all these other label things that are attached onto it, but I have a chance to really spend some quality time with myself to understand that. And the other thing being is you touched on, um, waste we are a consumer culture we constantly consume because it's it's all here it's all available you know i can you can order anything you can get anything you can get it and because of that that because we've had such abundance um you know we we're having this we're having not diseases of famine or issues of famine we're having issues of abundance we, we have so much food we have so much time we have so much of these other things that we have lost the value of of the you know of scarcity the value of i would say like appreciation because there are so many people like it's it's funny because we don't really think you know i was i was you know i called my grandma yeah because hey grandma how you doing what's what's going on in your world you're staying indoors I, you know i hope you are I, you know and just you, you because you think we even though we are temporary beings we feel everything super permanent and it's not until something happens like this that we realize that you know everything won't be the way it is all the time forever and and we've never had a shakeup like this, so that makes a lot of sense. Just reflecting back on what you said about how you can have more appreciation for how temporary we are, the how 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 limited things are, and how we can and how how grateful we should be for the amount of abundance we have and the time we can be given. So all all really powerful tools um, and insights around that. Um, you know. All this is going to blow over at, at some point in time, or you know, or it's going to turn into the zombie apocalypse. One of the two, but <laughs> either way, I mean, what's your big, what's your big holy grail? You know, what's the thing you're doing? I mean, you're crafting this transformation. You're transforming yourself. Um, you're doing it. You're doing it for yourself. And you, you know, the, the coaching business. You have an online um, singing coach. You have um, the, the acting career. You have all these different things. But do you have a like a what is the holy grail that you're chasing? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good question. I, 
when I think of the umbrella of my life, of what what is my life all about? Because I've had people ask me the same as you. Like I do have. There's a lot of different things going on. And what is what is the the umbrella thing that that encompasses all of these things? And for me, I believe that it comes down to inspiration. My my goal is to live my life in a way that inspires other people to live their life in the way that they were called to live in their most heroic way. Mm. And so if I live my most heroic life, I may be naive and I may be idealistic, but I feel like if I live my most heroic life, it will call out the hero and other people and they will live their most heroic life and not just for individual fame or success or money. And, and, and it's not, not about that, but living our most heroic lives ultimately are the lives that are the best for the community and the world and for humankind. Mm, that's, that's beautiful. And, uh, it kind of reminds me of, it might seem a little tangential, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back around, but have you seen the documentary? I think it's called um, Santa Claus or Being Santa Claus. Have you heard of that? The Mick Foley, the wrestler. Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen it, no. Okay. It's a it's a beautiful, heartwarming documentary. But um, what you're saying there has um, a, a bit of the a correlation to this, that Mick Foley's a wrestler. Mankind, he was crazy, wacky, but little – do people know that he actually loves Christmas? When he used to drive with all the other big giant wrestlers, um, he would he would actually go through and he would play Christmas music over and over and over and again, and he loved Christmas. And so this whole documentary is about him wanting to become Santa Claus, and he finds a community of you know those Santa Claus people that are at the malls. Yeah. Yeah. They ring the bell like during Christmas time or mm-hmm. whatever. That's actually a community of people. It's a community mm. of actual men that all play Santa Claus during Christmas time. And so Mick Foley goes and finds these these mentors of Santa Claus and he starts to interview and meet all of them. And they all have completely different backgrounds. Like there is like the grumpy, bitter Santa Claus guy. There is like mm-hmm. the super successful um, Orange County real estate Santa Claus guy. There's even the the, the big gay bear Santa Claus guy uh, who is super lovable in the whole thing. Um, but they all have really interesting stories. And I'm going to tie back what you just said, that they people – one way or another, they they you know they're larger, older men that you know nobody really paid them any mind. But one way or another, they started to look like Santa Claus. Maybe they just had a big beard and they they bleached it white for by accident, or maybe they they took a Santa Claus gig. But then everybody started to treat them like Santa Claus, and hmm. and and to be an old, larger gentlemen and get no minds but then all of a sudden little kids start looking up to you they started reaching out to you they started wanting to talk to you they want to tell you the stories they started to more or less be transformed into the santa clauses that people were um wanting them to become they started embodying and what is santa claus he's joyous he he cares he's kind he's playful he's got all those those santa clausian 
Clausian qualities that more or less, it, 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 but it was, it, was the, it was the community treating them like something that really then eventually they became something for the community, um, not only for themselves, for the good vibes that they got from the community, but also to be of service to the community. And a lot of that of what you're talking about of that heroic person, you being a, a hero, you know, originally for yourself to grow, but then also that reflecting back of the community, it has this kind of positive peer pressure expectations, lack of a better term, for you mm-hmm. to improve yourself. It becomes this kind of um, positive feedback loop of it. Yep. And so um, I'm. It, it sounds like you've you've kind of created that community and where you you now have like your friend reach out to you and said hey you are this role model you are this santa claus to these people around you you need to represent and be something better you know not if not for yourself for these other people and so it's it's really interesting when um you start to you, you know you start to create what i believe we all live in these mental models right and and they can be angsty and they can be um, they can they can be they can be really negative, or if you're able to set up your environment the right way, it can be this 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 fast feedback loop, which I thought was really interesting. So I just felt there was parallels there, and I wanted to um, I wanted to kind of connect those to connect those dots together. Um, and so it, it sounds like your ultimate. You talked about the Holy Grail, bringing it back around, is to just give that feeling of hope, to be a light on the path of what's possible. And to really um, guide people to say, hey, I'm doing this so you can do it too, whether it's singing or personal development or transformation. Um, but that's kind of, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, your, your, your ultimate holy grail to be this beacon of hope and possibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. To, I mean, that's it. To, to inspire people, to, to, <laughs> I think a big part of it for me was that growing growing up, I I didn't follow a lot of my dreams early on and didn't think that I could. And so I, I think a big part of it is I just have this really soft spot in my heart toward people who are afraid to pursue their dream, afraid to pursue, you know, the hero that they were created to be. And that it honestly, it breaks my heart that, that anybody would be stuck inside of a shell of, of possibility of of potential i should say mm. and for the and die in that shell of potential and never realize that potential of what what it could have been what who they could have been how they could have affected humanity in a positive way it just i'm i just feel like there's just no reason for that there's yeah. no reason for that and if there's anything i can do to make that happen and to help them not that happen to make them come out and be their most heroic self i'm just going to do it that's dope. The um, many people live lives of quiet desperation, right? And they and, mm. and they waste all their potential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What would you? I mean, what would you suggest? You know, there's people out there that are they. There is some fearful action that they want to take, but they don't know how, and they're screaming yeah. into the pillow. You know, I am a victim, or, or whatever that thing might be. Yeah. You mean? I mean, what? What advice would you give them? What tactics, what tools, what messages would you inspire them on to, to get them to take that that brave but fearful step forward? Yeah. 
couple of things. First thing I think, just a trigger word for me is is the how word. So let me just address that first. Mm. Is when whenever my client says um, I don't know how to do that, um, I always call bullshit right away because there's no such thing as not knowing how, especially in the information age and with YouTube and with mentors and books and. The, the how is never the problem. It, the how becomes a racket. It becomes a, a smoke screen for why not to pursue it. So whenever somebody says they don't know how, the first thing I say is it's not that you don't know how. It's that you haven't cranked up the want to enough to figure out how because you can figure out how. Now, how to crank up that want to, that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. And part of that comes from, to me, the second part of, of answer to your question is getting crystal clear about the vision. What is the vision that you want? Until you're crystal clear about what that vision is, it's going to be hard. There's a you know ancient proverb that says, without vision, the people die. Without vision, the people perish. Or without vision, we ca- people cast off restraint, meaning the restraints that we put on ourselves that are like the blinders that say, I'm going to focus on this thing and make this thing happen and to where it does happen and all the other distractions I'm saying no to, right? The hell yeah. If it's not a hell yeah, then it's a no, that kind of thing. Those kind of restraints, we cast off those restraints and we just kind of do a million things and kind of wander through life and put a little bit of time in this and a little bit of time in that and never really reach it. So once our vision is super clear, that's step one. To, to get to that thing. And the next step is, and this is not going to be satisfying and it's going to sound too simple, but it's just do anything in that direction. Because once you start doing anything, the other doors and avenues and how-tos just naturally open up. So you could be doing the complete wrong thing, but I'd rather you doing the wrong thing in the right direction than doing nothing at all. Because then you'll figure out what the next step is and what the next step is and what the next step is. And it's okay. It's going to take some time. It just is going to take some time. We've heard it a million times, but I'm going to say it again. Overnight successes are 10 to 15, 20 years in the making. It's just we got to play the long game. It's all about the long game. Decide who it is you want, what it is you want to do, who you want to be. Choose to be that person today and just do it for the rest of your life. And I promise you, you'll be successful. Just act like that person acts. What does that person do? And do that and you'll be successful in that. And you'll have a great journey along the way. That's incredible. And there's, I mean, that, I mean, what we said in the beginning of the podcast, what, what I asked originally about the whole habits and patterns, I mean, just ties right back into that. Mm-hmm. You talk about... Yeah. How do you get yourself to take these small habits that, that, that snowball into greater success over time? How do you make this fulcrum of, you know, the, the one to 10 turn ratio turn into the 10 to one ratio of effort to results? And you're saying that's why you do the two minutes a day, the two minutes for two weeks. It, it might be the wrong two minutes, but you're taking those two minutes and you're moving in the right direction. And that, and so that, that's great. The bullshit of how is bullshit get clear on the why and anything is better than nothing. So just get started now. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. If people want to get hold of you, how do they find you? How do they reach out to you? Um, how do they learn more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So just my name is Aaron Anastasi. So just at Aaron Anastasi, Instagram, that's one. Um, my official website that has like all the stuff I do, I think it's called 
Aaron Anastasia official, um, dot com. So th- those are a couple of ways are great ways to reach out and find out more if people are interested. And then my books are on Amazon if they just want to do that. Oh, and then with the singing stuff, if you just type in anything about singing on YouTube and a bunch of my videos will be up, up top there, it'll be pretty, pretty fair. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, keep up the good work, man. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. This has been fun. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback on how to improve the podcast, I would cherish that. Please give me an email or shout out at Dylan at heroesofreality.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at heroesofreality.com. Stay strong, young adventurers. Until next time.